When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you Stuff You Should Know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben. I do a lot of different things here at How Stuff Works, and one of those things is introducing my partner in crime here, in podcast crime, Scott, our auto editor. What's going on, Scott? Oh, nothing new, Ben. Just uh, excited about today's topic. You know, I am too, but we're excited for different reasons. I'm excited because I don't really know anything about it. But let's go with a little bit of segue. You know, let's take a hypothetical listener there. Let's say he or she buys a car and they buy a brand new car. Maybe it's never been on the market before, something 2009, 2010 model. And they seem pretty certain that it's not going to wreck or explode when you hit the brakes or anything, right? You can be pretty sure of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the the wreck part, I think that's pretty much up to the driver. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> fair. fair enough. Yeah, I know, I know. But, um, yeah, they're pretty confident that that car is not going to break immediately once they get in the driver's seat. How do they know? That's because the manufacturer has tested the car um, over and over and over again at a place that we're going to talk about today called uh, Proving Grounds. Automotive Proving Grounds. Automotive Proving Grounds, that's right. And let's and, and so what exactly are these and how are they are they the same thing as uh, you know you'll see a, a rating a safety rating company like JD Power and Associates? Um, well, they they probably house something you know a facility that will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll get into all this, but automotive proving grounds are these enormous facilities that have outside and inside testing. They have they have labs as well. So uh, the, the crash testing that you're talked about talking about may be conducted there, may be conducted somewhere else. Uh, it depends on you know just what, the way they have it set up. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But the crash testing is done indoors. Of course, you know, it's filmed and photographed 
over and over again, you know, high speed slow motion cameras. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's we've talked about that before. I love that stuff. But, yeah. Um, automotive proving grounds, they do they do a lot of things there. Um, but but one of the one of the biggest things they do is they have these great big. I mean, I, and when I'm talking big, I mean miles long tracks outside uh, that are you know akin to big racetracks. Um, you know, high speed ovals and. Um, road courses, things like that, but miles long. Miles long, yeah. We, I mean, I've got a couple of examples here of, of mile, mile uh, distances that these these tracks cover. And uh, you know, I, I'll actually tell you one just so that you get an idea of the size of these things. Yeah, okay. yeah. You've probably seen uh, the Daytona Speedway or the Indianapolis 500 Speedway. Yes. Okay, yes, those are two and a half miles long. Okay. Uh, at least Indianapolis is. Oh boy, I'm second guessing myself on Daytona, but well, um, we know for sure Indianapolis. I'm saying Indianapolis, two and a half miles long. That's an enormous track. There's a golf course in the middle, a museum. Uh, there's all kinds of parking, grandstands. It's it's huge. If uh-huh. you've ever been there, just to walk across the infield is is a you know a good distance. Um, the Chrysler Proving Grounds in Chelsea, Michigan, they have a high speed oval that's 4.71 miles in length. So it's enormous. Wow. Um, it's really big. Why is it so? Why is it so much larger? Well, it's just because they. I mean, that's what they wanted. They wanted a, one of the long, long straightaway. They wanted um, a high-speed oval that it has. Now, this is this is something interesting too. It's got a a banked, well, a banking to it, I should say, that allows a driver to travel at speeds up to I think it's 140 miles per hour with no steering input. They can go around that and complete complete oval. Just keep the steering wheel straight. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's severe, part of the reason. Severe banking. Yeah. 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 It's pretty interesting. I mean, so they can they can just head straight into the turn. Uh huh. The the vehicle just follows the line of the turn right through and safely takes them out on the other side. So these things are these proving grounds are enormous, perhaps little known facilities yeah. where car companies put their products through their paces. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just high speed ovals. It's also um, you know, wet pavement and dry pavement and gravel and hills and um, potholes, intentional potholes. Oh, wow. Um, they go through, uh, you know, you've probably seen the, the tracks where you know, they have the car headed straight and they, they have to go through a, a quick slalom course and then they do it once in the dry dry pavement and then they spray water on it. You know, it's kind of like a oh, yeah, like sprinklers. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what you find at a, um, at a proving grounds. You'd find stuff like that, you know, where they can... Um, Test all these different variety of surfaces and and conditions, um, all in one facility, and you know they, maybe they use the the hill area, the the um, um, steep terrain uh-huh. with different grades. You know they've got five percent grades, ten percent grades. I think they go all up to thirty percent grades, which are really steep. Yeah, um, that's but they, crazy. They can test a, a a truck for towing capability there, or they can test a um, you know like a system maybe that. Uh, allows you to lift your foot off the gas pedal so that it doesn't roll backwards, you know, when you're accelerating up a hill if you have a manual transmission. Okay. Okay, then. Uh, why do they do this? Well, the reason is it's pretty simple, really, when you when you think about um, what their goal is with, with testing is that they don't want it to get into the hands of the consumer where, you know, they may subject it to something that, you know, they haven't subjected it to in mm-hmm. testing and have it break on the consumer. It's far better for the, the car company to have something break during testing and try to figure out why it broke, how to fix it, and then perfect it, test it again, and then give it to the customer. Oh, that makes sense because no one, no company wants to issue those recalls. Oh, right? no, those are those are extremely expensive for car companies. So anytime you hear about a recall, you know it's 
literally millions of dollars. Uh, it doesn't matter how small that that recall is; it costs them a lot of money um, because you know there's not only is the part there are parts involved, right? There's also uh, cost associated with just notifying the owners of the vehicles. Another cost associated with uh, the labor mm-hmm. to make the change, whatever that would be. Um, and then, of course, you know, if there's the unfortunate situation where, you know, there's a lawsuit attached to that as well. Um, you know, I'm not going to name the car, but when I was growing up, my parents actually received a recall notice. Uh, and it may not have been even specifically for their model. It was just a notice that said anyone who bought this certain line of car between this year and this year, there may be a specific, and it sounded like relatively minor problem, with the middle, uh, the middle seat restraint mm-hmm. in the back. And it, it occurred to me, you know, I was, I was very excited at first because I, had, I think I had just seen something on television about class action lawsuits and I, in my childish mind, thought we could really make, you know, make the next few years off of this. Uh, it turns out it was the wrong specific type of car. Yeah. And that I didn't know what I was talking about, which happens a lot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Not as often as you think, probably. It's a... Um, the uh, the recall the kind of recall that you're talking about mm-hmm. is something that they can they they recommend you come in and have it repaired because you know they, there may be a problem with it. It's not um, a forced recall. I don't think it doesn't sound like no, what, what you're talking about. No, I think they I think it was a, a recommendation. It's not like a you know a, a faulty wiring harness is going to cause a fire or something that's going to prevent your airbag from deploying. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are a lot more serious and you know safety issues, of course. Um, so yeah, they uh, they strongly suggest you get your vehicle in or they actually contact you and say we're coming to get the car to fix it because we're not going to you know have to take care of this on the back end when something bad happens and those are relatively rare aren't they those are pretty rare yeah i mean most recalls are um you know here's here's a notice that you know you you might want to come in and have this taken care of because there's a a better newer version of it that you know will keep you safer in some way or or won't rattle or won't break in you know two months or whatever we found out oh i see um so so this testing that we, I mean, we'll get back to the testing, is yeah. that they they have just all kinds of different surfaces, all kinds of different environments. Um, they, they test in different, okay, even, they even have facilities in different environments so that they can test um, cold weather. We've okay. talked, you know, we've talked in the past about, just off air, we've talked about um, field testing. And yeah. this is a little different. This isn't out in the real world. This is still, you know, locked gate type stuff. They're behind... Not really behind closed doors, but you know they're they're in a private test facility that's owned by the manufacturer, so um, relatively safe and prionized. But a lot of times, you'll get photographers that camp out and try to get spy photos of uh, vehicles on test tracks and things like that. Oh, I'm sure people want to sneak out and get the, the leak of those photographs. Well, sure, because you're talking, you know, this is their own in-house test facility, so they're going to take a vehicle out to their own test facility, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere secure, and they're going to, from the very beginning. So you may have the, uh, this may be a you know, great opportunity for you to see the very first, you know, the very first shot of this of this vehicle. You may be able to photograph that for the first time. Um, so, you know, from the, right from the beginning to right to the very end, and even after, even after they've delivered it, um, I believe they still continue to run tests there. Well, let me ask you this then. And, and this is exactly what what I was thinking about here. Am I correct in assuming that as soon as they get a a prototype level of a vehicle, this testing begins? That's correct. Yeah. In fact, they um, 
they may even not have a complete prototype. They may bring a, uh, you know, they're trying to test an engine. They put it in a different vehicle that now that's a bit probably a bad example but right but um, i've heard of that th- yeah they they take whatever they can out there they try to test as early and as often as possible and if it's not lab testing it's you know testing out in the open on these mm-hmm. tracks um for whatever it happens to be if they've got a new axle they want to try out they may put it on an older truck you know they'll put a you know 2010 or 11 or 12 at this point um uh, they may put an axle from four years out on a on an older model truck that it just happens to fit on just to test it out and see how that axle behaves four years out yeah or more really wow really um it's not all that uncommon to have them working on vehicles that are four or five years in advance so it sounds um, like each vehicle in part is in a way getting a degree it's going yeah to, kind uh, of yeah it's it takes, going to car college it takes quite a t- i mean i i know that development time has uh, been sped up quite a bit you know and a lot of that's has to do with you know computer aided graphics and oh yeah um, you know the simulated crash testing versus real testing and you know, th- there's a lot of ways to speed things up these automated durability roads that they have mm-hmm. um, a lot of ways to speed testing and they they really do try to get the uh, um, the the lead time I guess from, from when you know design the the vehicle is just a design on paper mm-hmm. all the way through a real product so where are these places you mentioned one in chelsea yeah there's one in chelsea that's chrysler's uh that's chrysler's proven ground that's pretty close to its headquarters there in auburn hills michigan but um they're really scattered all over the world um ford you know i've got ford example here um ford now remember this is just ford only ford okay they're they're at least recent up until recently they were they were um partial owners of mazda uh-huh. I believe I think I just read recently they sold a lot of their stock in Mazda, but eh, we won't get into that whole thing. But they have proven grounds in Japan for the Ford Mazda combination vehicles. Um, now, f- just Ford only. They've got Michigan proving grounds in Romeo, Dearborn. Um, they have extreme cold weather test facilities in Manitoba, Canada. They have Mexican proving ground or Mexico proving grounds, uh, which of course in Mexico, a town I can't pronounce. <laughs> I won't even try. Uh, they have proving grounds in Brazil, England, Belgium, Australia. Um, they had proving grounds in Florida and Arizona, and they had another one in Michigan that also shut down. Um, that you know they had to get rid of for you know they needed money or just didn't realize that it was redundant with another, oh, another yeah, facility. With the other place. Um, now, Chrysler, GM, Toyota, Nissan, Volkswagen, all of them have proving grounds that are located in Arizona. So you got all these competing manufacturers that are, that are really kind of clustered together, and they're all right around the Phoenix area, which is kind of unique as well. But there's so much territory, so much space, uh-huh. that they're able to spread out enough that um, you know they can have all these different competing manufacturers in the same area, even though these are enormous facilities. I mean, you can see them from satellite photos, and they're, they're really impressive. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about yeah, that. Yeah, the satellite photos of these places are really cool if you ever get a chance to, to look them up. A lot of them, you'll see a satellite photo, but you'll see the twisted tracks. You'll see the huge oval uh, facilities, that they, or oval high-speed tracks that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of road courses. You can't tell any of the terrain, you know, the uh, the height um, terrain like the, the hills. The topology. Or yeah, you can't, you can't topography. determine. Topography. Yeah, that's right. You can't determine uh, topography of the area, but um, you can see a lot of giant buildings that are indoor test labs as well. Um, huh. Interesting places. They're really cool. So um, I, I've also heard that you know some of the urban sprawl in F- the Phoenix area is causing some of these guys to say, well, maybe we don't need this one anymore, and we're going to find somewhere oh, new. Oh, that makes sense. Um, because you don't want you know want houses backed right up to it because you know some of your privacy goes away. Right. So and and who knows who knows what could happen. If the if the neighborhood next door 
figures out that there's a, a, a testing ground for cars of the future. Yeah, well, yeah. they you know they would know well ahead of time because these these are uh, these are big enough that you know what's going on there when really uh, yeah they're um you know, it's like having a race course next to you. I mean it. it oh yeah, you hear it, wouldn't the, you? Yeah, you'd and there's guardrails, and I mean it's very it's it's not uh, it's not very stealth. Well, it makes sense to me though that a Japanese or European car company would come to the states, especially to the more arid parts of the states, mm -hmm. to build a track. But it's difficult to think of uh, think of the reasons why you know a company like Ford would be building a track in a place where real estate is at a premium, like Belgium. You know, well, they probably have. I'm, I'm guessing, but they m must have manufacturing facilities nearby. Um, oh, and to test okay. that particular vehicle, I, I, you know, this is just off the top of my head. I just don't know. I won't quote you. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm sure. Yeah, no one will. I'm sure no one will find fault with that. But um, yeah, they, <laughs> you know, they put the they have the proving grounds near where the uh, the facility that they're building that vehicle is. Let's say they want to test their trucks, they'll buy a large piece of property in an area near a truck plant, so that you know it's relatively simple for them to get the product over there yeah. and test it. Um, um, that's not always the case, but you know that's kind of best no, that, guess. I, guess. I mean, I guess that that does make sense. Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't think all I could think of was how crazy it would be to have to buy square miles in Japan or somewhere <laughs> in Europe. You yeah, know? I'm sure that would be a lot more difficult than buying some property in Arizona because there's you know just that much more open open land. Oh um, yeah, I got just, a uh, letter in the mail earlier. This guy wants to sell me a beachfront condo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> From Arizona? Nice. Yeah. Real nice. Yeah. Great. I know. Look, not every joke's going to work, Scott, and I apologize. Yeah, it didn't, didn't really fly, but... No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're pretty good sometimes. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> okay, well, back to testing. Ah, you're a funny guy. What's a... Uh, you're a funny guy. Ah, no. <laughs> what, uh... Do you think that with the current situation that a lot of automotive companies are going through, do you think that these testing grounds are going to stick around? Well, that that's also kind of up to debate right now as to whether they're going to hang on to as many facilities as they have. I mean, I just read you Ford, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and what they have. Now, imagine every manufacturer has similar facilities, you know, around the world. Okay. Not exactly that many or maybe maybe not as diverse, but um, a lot of them, sure, you know, why wouldn't you look at, you know, selling a $500 million piece of property um, when you need cash right now? Yeah. Um, the problem is who's going to buy it? You know who's gonna who's gonna pick that up? Is it another manufacturer because they're in the same condition? And really, it's it's well set up for exactly what it's built. You know, it's built for testing right. automobiles. It's not really, you know, maybe a golf course or something come in and just demolish it. But again, you know, you're looking someone to buy mile, square miles of property. That's pretty rough right now. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think we could get it. I don't, um, even if we pulled our resources hmm. and asked Jerry very nicely <laughs> no, to I go in with us. I'm pretty sure I don't have uh, $500 million or whatever it would cost, but um, yeah, no, I don't have it. I've got one last yep. question before we wrap this up. Mm -hmm. Can people visit these? Um, you know what? Oddly enough, you can, but you have to be invited. It's oh, okay. not. It's not something, that, and they don't want you hanging around, hanging out around the fence, you know, that, because that's where the spy photography thing comes in. Okay. Uh, they they don't like that. I think they have patrols that go around the edges of these things and check for that occasionally, uh, if not cameras to monitor that type of thing. Well, it's like the Area Fifty One well, of cars. They're pretty secure. They're pretty secure. Um, 
but I have I've been to some four ride and drive events. That's how I get there, uh-huh. or have been there, um, where they have the media come in to drive. Um, you know the the 2009 lineup of cars that they they offer. You know either it's trucks or cars or sports cars or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, these are perfect places for that because it's a you know closed track facility. Uh, they know exactly who's on the track at what time, and you know they can monitor all that. But there's also room for you know tents to be set up and you know the, all the hospitality stuff that goes along with it. Um, so if you're invited, or if you're a member of the media that you know they want you to come out and test drive, or they want you to review a vehicle uh-huh. early, they may have you just drive it on their own proving grounds. They may not have you take it out onto the city streets. And you've been to a place like this? Yeah. Yeah, a few of them. I've been to General Motors, uh, the Milford Proving Grounds. I've also been to the Chelsea Proving Grounds. Um, I actually went to the Bosch Proving Grounds, which uh, Bosch does. Um, they were they were working on traction control systems in Flat Rock, Michigan, and they happened to be right behind one of my favorite small little racetracks that I used to uh-huh. go to on the weekend too. And um, they were testing a traction control system, and they were showing us how. You know, a vehicle on dry pavement skids, you know, 80 Mm. miles an hour, and they make a a quick move to the left, quick move to the right. What happens with it on? What happens with it off? And it was pretty impressive. It's not a huge, you know, that one's a little bit smaller Uh than, you know, like, let's say, a Chrysler facility or a a Ford facility. But um, still impressive. It's really big, and they have a a lot of pavement. Tell you that, I I imagine so. It's it's fun. They're they're fun to go to, and they're fun to drive on because you know, it's just like being on a race course. That's, that's, I don't know if that's entirely accurate. I don't know if it's just like being on a race well, course. Similar. Similar. Yeah, I, okay, agree. Agree. Okay, good. I can't really disagree with the expert. <laughs> so no, they're fun though. I, you know, yeah. and one other thing is that mm-hmm. if if you get a chance, check them out online to, to to look at the satellite photos of these places. You'll get an idea of the size, and just how, I don't know, just how cool the track setup is because they've got so many different types of things happening at these places. It's worth looking at. We don't even know. I, I love the secrecy there, <laughs> you know. Although I have to say, now I'm I'm looking at you askance. Now that I know you've been there. Oh well, it's not. I don't think it's that impressive, but it's uh, <laughs> it, it was fun. I I definitely remember it. Yeah. Would you recommend it for people if the opportunity came up? If the opportunity came up, of course. Anytime you get a chance to do something like that, that's normally you know reserved or left. You know, mm-hmm. to an exclusive group or something like that. If you get, a, if you ever happen upon that chance, do it. Well, our listeners, you guys heard it here first. It is worth your time. Scott, do you have anything else for us on this I, one? I'm out. And I guess that means we're both out of here because you know I don't have too much to add. So to our listeners, uh, thanks again for tuning in. If you have any suggestions or an idea for a future topic, please do send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? 
Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.